this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Today is a solo episode and I am going to talk about my body, which is something that I just kind of fundamentally come to from a place of body liberation. I think that people should, and I use should really intentionally, should be the only person that instigates conversations about their bodies. Um, I really, I try not to should on myself, like, right? In general, I try to replace the word should with could, but I really do think that body autonomy is something that we should be granted in this wildly body negative, sex negative, racist, homophobic, classist, all the things, society, like... The thing about body liberation is that every intersection of oppression just lands right in the body somehow, some way. Um, some of our oppressions are more obvious from the outside, uh, the ways in which we present a marginalized identity, right? Like race is uh, considered an unmutable sort of characteristic where, you know, you can't change it. It's, it's something that's visible typically, right? Um, and... Uh, the thing about weight is that it's perceived as a mutable identity. So people believe that you can just lose weight whenever you want, gain weight whenever you want, right? Like, this is just an, an idea that all fat people are lifestyle fat, um, which is one way that people can be fat, right? Like, just living a lifestyle that um, ends up with excess adipose tissue um, as a result of, like, a genetic lottery, right? Some people can eat trash all day long and stay very, very thin. I have a friend who was eating, um, she, when she was having fertility trouble, she realized how much medical fat phobia had affected her, even though she's a very thin person, because she had been doing things like, you know, she ate, uh, cake batter right out of the box, right? Like, that was the thing she, that was a regular snack for her, and, and just all sorts of wild things that were not nourishing her body, and, um, but she was never treated as though there was anything wrong with her, or anything she needed to change, whereas I walk into a doctor, and I'm, super healthy, right? And, uh, you know, I, I really truly believe in health at every size. That's science. Um, there's so much science to back that up. Um, but really health at every size is just, you know, live a lifestyle that is healthy for you, whatever you define as health. And then that's your ideal weight is whatever, uh, life that you're living that, I mean, basically like the healthiest you can be while still living a life that you actually enjoy. Um, and I think, and health is of course something we don't owe anybody. Um, health is a self-determined thing. Um, I really think of things like mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, physical health, all sort of intertwined with the body, mind, spirit connection, but also something that things that require different nourishing, um, and so I do a lot of work on my spiritual self and my spiritual connection. My relationship with God is my top value, uh, which has really influenced how I nourish my body. And that has recently resulted in a weight change. Um, so recently I went to the doctor last week and you know, here's the thing. I've gotten so deep into, um, being me, I guess, in the world that I kind of forget sometimes to be stressed out about stuff that used to stress me out. Going to the doctor used to really stress me out because it was always just kind of a battle. Like, I'm just trying to get some basic needs met, right? Like, I, I remember going to a gynecologist for the first time, like, 15 years ago. I think it was in my, my, my mid-20s. And she insisted on doing all this blood work and all these blood panels and insisted there must be something wrong with my thyroid. First of many doctors who have tested my thyroid unnecessarily. Uh, my thyroid's fine, thanks. Um, but, you know, people can be fat for all sorts of reasons. Um, and I think frequently doctors assume it's lifestyle. 
Um, but sometimes you're fat because of the side effect of another condition going on, right? Like a thyroid condition typically also presents with weight gain, right? But I didn't have any weight gain. I was just fat. <laughs> I started out fat, stayed fat, wanted to go to the gyno and get my uh, pap smear and find out about my uh, the health of my reproductive organs. Anyway, um, but, you know, that can happen, right? And then some people are fat as a side effect of hormonal changes or um, other body changes. Uh, and also, sometimes people lose weight for all sorts of reasons that are not related to um diet weight loss, right? Like people lose weight because of cancer. Uh, I know a lot of people who lost a lot of weight from cancer. I know a lot of people whose life was saved by being fat when they approached their cancer um, treatments because the weight that came off, like they couldn't have sustained that if they had been a thin person. So um, that it's just so complicated and you really just don't want to bring up somebody else's weight change to them unless they bring it up to you. If somebody is excited about their diet weight loss, let me tell you, you have to be so obsessed with your diet to achieve those types of results that they are going to tell you about it. Like you, I think we've all probably had a coworker experience uh, or some other experience where you don't have a lot of consent around the people who are with you and hearing someone prattle on about their diet that they're either successful or not successful with most of the time since 97% of diets fail and result in uh, gaining that weight and more back within two years. That's 97% that fail. That's, that's a statistic that is very real. This is a $65 billion industry that has a failure rate of 97%. It's wild. If airplanes failed as much as diets do, we would never fly. Anyway, so having been in this game for a long time and dealt with a lot of medical fat phobia in my day, um, it's always a little surprising to me when I forget to be on guard at the doctor. But I, you know, I had this appointment since January, since before COVID, uh, with a new primary care physician, and um, I was just kind of like just doing what my calendar said, showing up. Uh, usually, before I go to the doctor, especially a new doctor situation, I pray. <laughs> This is true. Um, again, my spiritual life is very important to me. So I'll just pray for an easy outcome. I do this before I travel too. Like I'll visualize um, and and seek, you know, just help from the beyond that everything is working out for my good. Everyone I'm meeting today is on my side. Like that kind of stuff. Like just really like putting a positive intention for the day. So I roll into the doctor and then the nurse goes to weigh me. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> They're going to weigh me. You know what I mean? I just hadn't even thought about it. Um, and so I, and here's the thing, you can choose whether or not you want to be weighed at the doctor. And if you're early in your body liberation journey, I would actually really encourage you to set up boundaries like that. Make those decisions ahead of time. You can tell them in just a very clear tone. And also you can bring a buddy with you if you're stressed about the doctor. Um, but you can just show up and be like, hey, I don't want to be weighed today. I don't think it's an important part of my thing or I'm prioritizing my mental health. And so like you talking to me about weight loss is actually not uh, correlative to my mental health right now. So I'd prefer you talk to me and treat me. Uh, you know, like if people are bringing up or doctors are bringing up, oh, you're fat, you should lose weight. You can always say like, well, show me, tell me how you would treat this situation or these circumstances with a thin person. Because um, you know, you could just be minding your own business and the doctor's prescribing weight loss, or you can come in with something totally unrelated and a doctor's going to prescribe weight loss. Um, I have a lot of baggage around medical fat phobia. It's actually one of my big reasons why I do this work, because I know so many people have been murdered by doctors uh, treating their weight instead of treating their actual symptoms, including my stepmother, who died at 48 years old uh, from a heart attack because she was taking Fenfen, which uh, was taken off the market because it was causing heart attacks. Yes, that's right. Um, 
My dad never went through with a class action or anything like that, which was his choice, but um, she was murdered by that pill, um, and still makes me mad. I have a lot of friends who have died from stomach amputation surgery, which is, uh, in the common lexicon, is known as weight loss surgery, but I'll tell you, I know a lot of people who have had that amputation surgery and gained all the weight back and then more, because it doesn't actually go to root cause and actually get into what's going on with you. So I've had... Uh, so back to my story of going to the doctor, right? Like unarmed. This is me, all this baggage, but I forgot about my baggage, which is kind of great, actually. I'd rather go to all all new experiences, just expecting something good and not really being armed up. That's a better way of life anyway for me, like mental health, right? Priority. Um, when we go into circumstances really caught up in our old story of what's already happened to us, it really doesn't allow a new beneficial circumstance to present. It really gets you caught up in your old story instead of just allowing something new to happen. Um, so when I was weighed at the doctor, two things happened. Number one, I looked at the number. This is another choice you can make. You can just choose not to look at the number and just let the nurse chart it and not not bother it. Um, I actually like to track my weight simply because I don't um, have a scale at home. Sometimes I do. Uh, I haven't had one, I think, since I moved to California in 2016. So, um, But, you know, sometimes I like to keep track because I like to know what's going on with my body. Um, and it actually does help you know if you have like a radical weight gain or loss that you don't know why that's happening. Um, it is it's good to dig into that kind of stuff, right? Um, so anyway, I looked at the number and two things were cute about it. Number one, my favorite number is 24 and that was in the number. And also I had a triple number in there, including um, the decimal point. So there was like uh, an angel number in that. And I really believe in like the way numbers show up and their messages from God. And so again, spiritual connection, super important to me. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool number. And then it occurred to me, I was like, oh my God, this is the lowest I've ever weighed <laughs> as an adult that I know of, uh, which is wild. Um, because typically I've had this like pendulum that I swing between. Um, and I'll tell you what, when I'm really happy and things are really going my way, I tend to gain a lot of weight. Um, and it's mostly, I think, because my appetite is pretty robust uh, when I'm happy. And um, it's so funny when I go out with my bestie, Rachel, who I've, I've interviewed on this uh, podcast a few times. Um, in Atlanta, like I love barbecue. And so we'll go eat barbecue together. She can eat like three times as much as me. I like <laughs> pale in comparison. Like I want to eat more cause I love food and I love to eat, but like, especially barbecue, mm, favorite food. Uh, but it's so funny. Like, and she's a very thin person naturally, right? Like that's just genetic lottery. Um, life is profoundly unfair by the way, in case you haven't noticed. And so sometimes people can drink sweet tea all they want and they don't gain any weight. And some people like me, uh, if I drank sweet tea every day, uh, I would get super inflamed. Like, my body does not like uh, sugar. It's really, like, once I um, started working on my inflammation, this was back in, I think, 2013, um, I got, uh, I had a good friend who was doing health coaching at the time. I interviewed her for this podcast, Vic, uh, Vic Albina. So she coached me through the Candida cleanse because I had a Candida overgrowth, and it was really affecting my sex life, and I... <laughs> wanted to have better sex. And so, you know, that's a motivator. Uh, and also like I knew it, it was like helping my IBS. Once I started the Candida cleanse, like within a week, I knew it was helping my IBS. And so like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, I've been multiply diagnosed, but food medicine was kind of the best thing I did. So I lost a lot of weight that year. Um, I don't know how much cause I never got weed. Um, but, uh, it was interesting cause I kind of foreshadowed that I would lose weight. 
And then I did lose weight and then I felt really complicated about it. And it really like, you know, was a trip to have my body change in that way. And I'll say similarly feel that way. I, I had known that my body had changed, right? Like I had already sort of clocked um, in within the last couple months that my body feels different. Um, it feels smaller. My clothes are baggier, uh, which is... Uh, I'll say this, it's always stressful from a monetary perspective. Both times I've lost weight, I've been at really like kind of low moments financially. Um, and like, you know, like just to be transparent, I know I look hella rich and adorable and luxe, especially on the beautiful picture that's the cover of my podcast. But um, I'm not rich. <laughs> I'm like a, from a working class family at a single mom. Like my mom lives on a teacher pension. Like I'm I'm really making a lot of lifestyle sacrifices to be working 12 hours a day on two businesses that mean a lot to me and I'm trying to get off the ground. So I don't have extra cash. Um, and so like, you know, suddenly having most of my clothes not really fit anymore sucks. <laughs> like it's really inconvenient. And it's just like, I don't think my weight experience can be um, disentangled from my experience with money, right? Like in class, right? Because weight and class often kind of correlate. Um, because, you know, fat people are less likely to make money, right? Like, I don't know what the, the percent on the dollar is, uh, to like a thin white man, but it's, it's low. Um, anyway, it's, you know, but that's discrimination and systemic oppression and we're working to fight this. I truly believe one-to-one. -one. I think you bossing up in your life and understanding that all bodies are good bodies, like whatever your body is, like you having that perception and, and willfully checking out from diet culture is the revolution. It truly is a one-to-one person-to-person -person revolution where once we get a critical mass of people who do not give a fuck about body size, we will eventually, uh, I think, defeat diet culture and beauty standards. Um, and I see it already happening, actually. Body acceptance and body positivity and mainstream has come so far. I've been doing this work since like 2002. I never thought we'd be at a place where like the Victoria's Secret fashion show is so passe. And now we've got Lizzo walking in her lingerie um, with Paris Goebel, who's this amazing choreographer who I have not seen work with fat people before Lizzo um, do it. Anyway, it was phenomenal. I'm really excited this stuff exists and I'm excited for more people to get uh, revolutionized. But when you're in this work and your body changes, how do you deal with it emotionally, right? So I've gone through this before, but I had to do it again because I think this kind of work is cyclical. This is the kind of stuff that even though I made a conscious choice to learn to love my body 20 years ago, I'm still uh, learning to love my body a little more every day because bodies are always changing. Um, I've learned a lot from walking in the forest and seeing mushrooms popping up. Um, so mushrooms... Some mushrooms come and stay for a while um, and then leave and some pop up and then they just immediately start decomposing. It's really fascinating the different kind of life cycles of mushrooms. And they've taught me a lot about like the inevitability of change and decay and how we're kind of all in this cycle. And, um, and our bodies are just inevitably changing. There's a lot of um, rhetoric about body snapbacks after babies and stuff like that and postpartum bodies. And here's the thing, like once your body has expanded to carry a child, it's different forever. Like you're just not going to snap back. That's not how it works. Um, I'm really, uh, I, I enjoy artwork that people create around different bodies in the fourth trimester product project is really good for that. Like just kind of, if you're struggling with a postpartum body, go look at some normal folks, <laughs> some people who are not celebrities with like a gajillion dollar for trainers and personal chefs and all those things, right? Like if you're just a regular person, a regular 
birth giving human uh and you're having postpartum body image stuff go look at other people with postpartum bodies and see uh how common it is for your body to be different forever because that's you birthed a child that's a thing that will never be undone um so kind of having that like baseline intellectual understanding that like my body's changing it's all okay it's all part of the process of being a human being on this earth I apply that to what's going on and I just kind of I do the same sort of work I do honestly about like judging other people um and having opinions about what's going on in politics about things that I have no control over right because I don't have control over my body like I could like eat more right like and I'll say this I know why I've lost weight like I know that like Before the coronavirus in February, I kept, I was very frustrated because I was trying to get a job. Uh, Like, right, I'm running two businesses and I'm trying to get a job on top of it. Uh, But I I needed some cash flow and I was like, let me just try to get a job. So I tried, tried, tried to get a job. Nothing was working. um, And my uh, therapist suggested I check my, check in with my tarot cards. Um, And so I kept getting, pulling all these cards that I was going to get really sick if I got a job, which I thought was like a stress based thing, which is also possible. But then the coronavirus happened and I was like, oh, all the cards kept talking about illness coming. Um, But also when I pulled a card to just be like, okay, well then what's my next right action if it's not to get a job? And I pulled a card that said detox. And I was like, okay, well, I know what it means to detox for me. So I decided to just truly close the gap between knowing and doing, which means that, you know, all that work with the candida diet means I know what foods make me inflamed and don't serve my body. And so instead of just like harm reducing, which is what I was doing before, I just went fully off. I just closed the gap between knowing and doing. And I really just started I mean, what works for my body is, like, no sugar, no dairy, because I'm very, like, it'll clog up my sinuses. Like, even just having a little bit of cheese will clog up my sinuses, which is something I gamble with, like, when I go to a wedding with a good cheese board, right? But, like, day to day, I don't need cheese. So... And I'll tell you this, I don't think a life without cheese is necessarily a great life, (laughs) but I also would prefer to breathe, right? So breathing comes first before cheese, and thus I make my decisions about what I do with my body. Um, I also am super low gluten because it doesn't uh, work well with my body. Um, I I don't eat soy because soy is very inflammatory for me. Um, So it's it's right, like, you know, just figuring out what works for my body and what doesn't. Um, and what's going to fill me up when I need to, right? Um, and also, I lost some weight last year. So going into this, I was already kind of down. Um, and the weight I lost last year was because I was going through a really fucking hellacious year with a bad breakup, and I don't have an appetite uh, during those kinds of circumstances. So um, anyway, it didn't occur to me that I was going to suddenly like be the smallest I've ever been. But I'll also say, I also think my life right now during quarantine is the healthiest it's ever been. Like just for me, like what I measure in health and how I feel the healthiest. And I just keep making these different choices to just kind of tweak my lifestyle a little bit so that it can be closer to who I want to be in the world, which is really just a person of good cheer. Um, And it's hard for me to be of good cheer when I'm eating stuff that makes me really moody and depressed. Um, and it's easier for me to be of good cheer when I wake up and I move my body and, um, and also like having all this time walking in the forest, like I walk in the forest every single day. So I've kind of combined, uh, the aerobics I was doing when I was in LA, um, because that's when I started my aerobics class and all the walking I was doing when I lived in New York city with this like outdoorsy lifestyle. So I feel like I've just like really kind of hit a nice little balance for me. And the result was unintended weight loss, which like, 
It's so weird because when I was a teenager, I would have killed to have lost all this weight, right? Like I would have, like I just, and, and, and probably I wouldn't have killed to have lost all that weight because I also wasn't willing to make those changes in my life to get away from utilizing food as love. Um, I talked to my therapist about this last week because um, I wanted to check in about the weight change. I was like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. I want to like to, cause he's good at helping me understand how I feel about stuff. And we were really talking about like how in our country, especially in our, in our culture, um, it's very few people don't have disordered eating because we have so much baggage around food. Like food is love. Food solves your feelings. Food does this. It does that. It's actually not a super great way to treat food. Food is fuel, right? Love is love. Um, and I, yeah, so like, I think I've also done a lot of work around my own emotional eating. And so I think getting a handle on that has been helpful. Um, because I'm trying to just actually be with my feelings and let them flow through rather than relying on old coping mechanisms. Right. I was a super traumatized kid with a lot of chaotic things happening in my life. Um, and food was frequently the only comfort I had. And so, um, yeah, I was a fat kid and I stayed fat until, uh, I mean, I'm still fat, right? I don't know that I'm ever not going to be fat and that's also okay. Like whatever, my body's going to be what it's going to be. Um, and I'm not super worried about it, but I do like to just get involved in when things happen and changes are happening in my body. Like, how am I feeling about this? And just really not letting that kind of stuff fester and just bypass it, but like just be in it and present for it, but not obsessed with it. Um, and I'll tell you another thing that is so annoying about losing weight is when people comment on your body who you haven't talked to about your body, literally nobody, um, except for my therapists and my, and friends, right? But like having neighbors of mine say, oh, you've lost weight. You look so good. Or I've noticed you've lost weight. You know what that tells me? It tells me, number one, they're paying attention to my body, which feels really uncomfortable. And number two, that they're obsessed with my weight and like the way I'm having a body and like not paying attention or, or it tells me that they're paying uh, negative attention to their own bodies. I mean, that's just what, it, for me, like, you commenting on my body means that you have a lot of body stuff going on for you, which I have compassion for, but I also, like, the way I responded was so funny. I didn't even miss a beat. I was like, I don't care about that stuff when they say, oh, you look, you lost weight. Because like, I just, I want to disavow someone of them thinking they're complimenting me as soon as possible. Because I believe complimenting someone on their weight loss is a non-pliment. It is not a real compliment. Here's a, here's a key. If you want to compliment someone... Compliment them on something they chose, like an accessory or the way they dressed or um, something cool that they did, right? Like compliment them on something that they have control and power over rather than like genetic lottery, like congratulations about your face, um, right? Like, I don't know. People are very obsessed with aesthetics and as a person who loves style and loves aesthetic, I get it, but like that's, it's all tied up in diet culture and value and I will tell you... Once you realize that you're valuable no matter what, it's such a freedom. Okay, so I wanted to read this thing too um, that is from my page-a-day calendar. Um, it's a Louise Hay page-a-day calendar. It's the I Can Do It calendar. I love it. I've had it, I think this is like year seven having this calendar, and it really is an uplifter in the day. Um, maybe it's year 10. I don't know. If it, definitely since New York I've been doing this page-a-day. But anyway, so October... The, um, this, the, the, like, kind of monthly, there's, like, a page that sets a theme for the month. It says, this month, I take 
time to truly nourish myself. I remember that what goes into my body affects my brain, so I make the best food choices possible. I love to prepare meals that are nutritious and delicious. I eat mindfully and do not multitask. I set a lovely table and focus only on the sensory experience I am having. Every bite I take shows my body tender, loving care and helps me create optimal health. I love that. I feel like it's just such a really beautiful way to talk about like eating in a mindful way and like um, really experiencing the pleasure and the joy that food gives us. I really think that no meal should be wasted um, and should, they should all be delicious, which is what has inspired me to become a great cook. Um, because I like to eat delicious food and that's something I have control over, right? Um, anyway, so that was just something that like really landed for me. Like I know something that I've been doing that I want to change is I've been, I, I call it eating like a bachelorette where I'm like literally standing over the sink eating <laughs> instead of sitting down and enjoying an actual meal and like being intentional. So, um, so I'll say that like I think also part of like the weight change is also just eating and not fueling or fueling and not like enjoying and mindfully being present for food. So anyway, uh, I hope that this helps you somewhere out there. It really helps me when like folks I follow who, um, you know, who are people like I'm choosing to sow into my life, right? Like I've, I've talked about this. I'm very intentional about who I follow and who I connect to and who I listen to. Um, but it really helps me when they talk through problems that they're having or struggles they're going through or ways in which they've kind of applied frameworks to things going on in their lives. So I hoped that this would be an opportunity for you to just kind of like, if you if you're experiencing a change in your body that feels a little out of your control or like isn't really what you wanted, I just wanted to kind of share how I'm processing it and how I deal with it. Um, but I just don't think there's any wrong way to have a body. Um, I think every way of having a body is the right way, even if you're not nourishing yourself, especially if you're not nourishing yourself, right? Like you're not going to hate yourself into getting thin. That's just not a way that works. <laughs> if it worked, I would have been thin when I was a teenager. Um, and, but like you can't hate yourself into thin. You can only love yourself into making choices that serve and nourish your body. But you have to do it from a position of not really getting concerned about the results um, because when you get really hung up on like weight loss and things like that as like an arbiter of quote unquote success, it really robs you of the experience of actually being with your body and what your body wants to do. Um, so, so anyway, there's just, there's a lot to it. Bodies are really complicated and we live in such a body negative society that it's hard to kind of like pull our self image out of other people's ideas of how we're supposed to feel about our bodies and just like be present for the complicated feelings that come up when you have a body. So I hope that helps. Um, if my podcast is meaningful to you or if you want to uh, come hang out with me a little more, um, I have a Patreon page. It's the best way to support the podcast. It's a membership support site that allows creators like me to be supported by folks like you who believe that their work adds value to their lives. Um, you can join uh, from a $2 level or a $5 level and get access to updates I don't share anywhere else. You get free admission to my Saturday Zoom aerobics class. Um, and uh, Reiki group healings, things like that. And then I also have at the $25 level, an on-demand aerobics class. Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever felt too fat, too awkward, or been called too much, this is the supportive class for you. And, um, there's always six classes available, a 10 minute, a 20 minute, 
45 minute to 55 minute classes and a dedicated chair class for you to choose from. And I refresh it every week. And it is truly my joy to teach this aerobics class. Like I really think this is my gift from the goddess that I get to bring to folks and to move and have self-care with them. And of course, back at Dance Party Aerobics is like 80% mindset. <laughs> so the minimum participation is just show up and share along and you're going to get something great out of the class. So if that, if any of that moves you, or if you just think that what I'm doing is awesome, patreon.com slash FKDP. Thank you so much to the folks who already support my Patreon. I feel so grateful to get to do this work and to get to co-create with you. I never thought going into the coronavirus that suddenly I would become 100% supported by my Patreon, but I am, and I'm super, super grateful to get to keep doing this. Um, and I really appreciate you tuning in. And I hope that wherever you are, you know that you are worthy of love exactly as you are. There is nothing you need to change. And you just get to be awesome and just continuing to develop. And I'll tell you this, my favorite definition of excellence I learned recently is just being 1% better every day. Just choosing to have a clean slate. What's gone is gone. What's done is done. You're taking responsibility for today and moving forward, and you're just getting 1% better. And that's how you're going to show up in excellence in every area of your life. And I hope you'll show up today for yourself a little bit more so you can serve from your overflow. Because remember, we can't serve from an empty cup. Bye, everybody.